What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. On January 2nd, 2020, Nikki Ensel made a 911 call after discovering her house going up in flames. She hadn't seen her husband, Chad, in a few days and feared he might be inside. When firefighters arrived and made their way through the home, they discovered Chad's body lying on the bed with a shotgun beside him. It seemed Chad had taken his life before a fire broke out in one of the home's propane heaters. Or at least that's what someone wanted the authorities to think. This is Monsters. Chad Ensel was born on March 31, 1977, in North Dakota. He grew up in the tiny town of Halliday, home to around 400 people. After graduating from college, Chad began working at Interstate Power Company, but Chad's real passion was working with children, particularly as a Little League coach. Those closest to Chad called him a guiding light for many of the youth he worked with. On May 21, 2016, Chad married Nikki Hines, taking over the role of stepfather to her two sons. The couple had only known each other since 2015 when they met at a racetrack. Racing cars was one of Chad's other passions, so it made sense that he met his future wife at the track. In 2019, the pair had been married for over three years. That winter was a particularly harsh one, made all the more difficult by the furnace issues they were having in their Bismarck home. It got so bad that Nikki moved into a local hotel while they were trying to figure out what was wrong with the furnace. Chad was last seen alive on December 30th. Once he knocked off from his shift at work, he went to his favorite bowling alley where he played a few rounds before walking out the door at 10.30pm. He was supposed to be working the next day on New Year's Eve, but Chad never arrived. His employer already knew about it, though, as Nikki had called on his behalf, explaining that he had come down with the flu. By January 2nd, 2020, 
Chad hadn't been seen or heard from for a few days. He hadn't spoken to his wife or gone back to work since his December 30th shift. By this stage, his co-workers had grown concerned, so they called the Bismarck Police Department requesting they perform a welfare check on him. An officer did actually pull up to his house at 1.20pm, a few hours before Nikki would make that 911 call. Since nothing seemed out of the ordinary, the officer left. Chad's co-workers called Nikki to see if she knew what was up with her husband. She explained that she hadn't heard from him for the last few days, but she had been too busy to check on him. She told them that she would cruise past the house herself to look things over. Shortly after 5pm, Nikki arrived at their home to see where Chad was. When she tried to go inside, she was overcome by smoke and forced back outside. She placed the call to 911 at 5.20pm. Firefighters, along with police officers and EMTs, soon arrived at 4943rd Avenue. The firefighters went in, hoping to find the source of the fire quickly and extinguish it. It was fairly smoky, but hardly enough to have forced Nikki outside. As they checked the rooms and followed the smoke, Chad's body was found in the back bedroom, which cannot be seen from the front of the home. Chad was lying on the bed naked with a shotgun beside him. Bottles of alcohol were littered across the room. Initially, Chad seemed to have suffered a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the face. A fire had started in that same bedroom, seemingly coming from a propane heater. As the firefighters continued through the house, they curiously found a second fire. This time, it was in the basement and involved the furnace, the same furnace that had been giving the family trouble. When Nikki was questioned at the scene, she explained to officers why she had been out of the house over the previous few days. Her first reason was the furnace. She couldn't handle the freezing temperatures without sufficient heating, and it had gotten to the point where Nikki was actually feeling unwell from the cold. Then, Nikki offered an additional reason for her absence from the family home. She claimed Chad was an abusive drunk, and Nikki had photos on her phone to prove it. Nikki's boys had been staying with their grandparents over New Year's, giving her enough time to make plans to leave Chad and move to Texas. Unfortunately, the audio from the interrogation footage is not great, and Nikki tends to mumble very quietly. What, when, the, when did the kids go to South Dakota again? The 20th. Okay. And did we, what, was, what was going on there? It was just great. Okay, but I mean, they didn't want to stay home, or you didn't want to stay home, or what? They always, the thing is, they always just go with Grandma. Um, they always go with Grandma, and hang out with Grandma, and then they go to Dickinson, hang out there, and then come back, and then we have Christmas here. And it's kind of like... Okay, so it's a loop. Yeah. So, okay, so this is something normal that they do. Yeah. Yep. Once the firefighters extinguished the small flames, EMTs were allowed in. They began trying to resuscitate Chad to no avail. As I mentioned earlier, it initially seemed like Chad had taken his own life using the shotgun found next to him, but that definitely didn't explain the gunshot wound they found in his back when he was turned over. While it would have been possible for Chad to shoot himself in the face, he could never have shot himself in the back with a shotgun. The other curious discovery in the bedroom was a package addressed to Earl Howard, a man who didn't live with the Ensels. Just two days after Chad was found dead, Nikki called his employer to discuss any available life insurance benefits she could access. The company had a basic life insurance policy for its employees. 
For Chad, the payout would have ranged anywhere from $113,000 to $120,000. Nikki also tried to claim renter's insurance worth up to $31,000, despite the fact that the policy had been taken out just days before Chad's death and the fires. Nikki soon moved in with another man, and you'll never guess what his name was. Earl Howard. That immediately stood out to the investigators, so they decided to look into that relationship further. Earl was born in Canada and grew up in Bellwood, Ontario. By January of 2020, he and Nikki had been involved in an affair for about a year. When investigators looked into Nikki's hotel stay, they discovered she was telling the truth about staying in the hotel, but she failed to mention the room she was staying in was in Earl's name. Nikki was first brought in for questioning on January 7th, 2020. Throughout the interview, Nikki gave mumbled answers, speaking in a high-pitched, almost childlike tone. When she would get asked a hard question, she would burst into uncontrollable tears. But literally one minute later, she was like this. Okay, when was that right when you moved in? What were the what was the time frame on that? Oh, but we didn't call him. <laughs> you didn't call? I called him. Oh, I thought you said you didn't call him. I'm like, well, you I sure were? <laughs> I called him. Okay. So, and then, um, so they know. Yeah. After she was pressed by a BCI agent on what really happened that night, Nikki told them her version of events. She admitted to staying in the hotel with Earl, who went with her to her home so she could gather up some of her things. Her version of events changes constantly, but it seems like there were two main times that she and Earl went to her house. The first was at 1.10 a.m., and she was there for an hour and 40 minutes. The second time was at 6.32 a.m. and was in and out in five minutes. See, Nikki was under the impression that she had used the mobile app for her security cameras to turn them off, but it didn't work. Tell me about, then, what you did when you showed up around 10 after 1 in the morning, you and Earl. Where? At your house. Did I forget to tell you that when you tried logging off with the camera system, it didn't actually log you off and put you in that privacy mode and kept recording? Yeah, it did. No. So, yeah. So help me explain this. That's what I'm here to do, explain. I went out. You went out where? Well, I was going to get my meds. Mm -hmm. But you said that you keep your meds in your purse. I know, but I don't have meds. Okay. I have a patch. Uh -huh. Okay, so tell me what happened when you guys were out there. Because it was you and Earl. It's on video. Mm -hmm. 
Nikki had already told another investigator that her medication was always in her purse. Now she was claiming that she had left it at home and needed to pick it up. When asked why it took an hour and 40 minutes, she initially denied being there that long, but then claimed that she couldn't find the medication and was looking for it. For an hour and 40 minutes. The house isn't that big. When they asked her why she went back to the house at 6.32, she claimed she also went to get her medication. She explained that she was only there for five minutes because it was in the bathroom, which she hadn't looked in the first time despite being there for an hour and 40 minutes. Right. During the interview, Nikki had said that when she and Earl arrived at the house the first time, Chad was drunk and it was only the three of them there. She said that, along with looking for her medication, she also loaded the dishwasher while Earl and Chad talked. Obviously, this story would soon change. The investigators asked her why she tried to disable the cameras at her house. So then tell me why, before you guys went out there that time to get your meds, why did you feel the need to go and try to tamper with the camera system? Mm. Yeah. You logged on at 12.43 a.m., and we're attempting to put the camera in like a privacy mode, which just didn't work. I and then you showed up out there 15 minutes later. Anybody can log into my cameras. I have my stuff. I don't, they don't just have to be whatever, I mean. But it wasn't just anyone, it was you. I've opened it wasn't my cameras. Just anyone. I've opened my cameras up before and it's been open and I've not known it's been mm -hmm. open before. I, Here's the other thing. If I go anywhere near, if I go near my home with my uh, watch and all that, my geofence goes off. Right. Okay. So. But so why were you in there trying to switch the camera mode? I was like, so if I. If it was I, you. We know it was you. If I was in it, I had my hand on the button and I'm not paying attention. I don't go in and dink around with the system a lot. I know I went into it the other day and tried to update my geofence from where we lived to where we're living now. Mm -hmm. And it wouldn't work. It kept defaulting back to other stuff. And I've tried to go in and change myself before because when I go to school or take two days from school, it beeps at me. Mm -hmm. You know, I said, it, it got to change it. We don't even live there. Mm -hmm. You know, so I went in and when I change geofence stuff, it flashes off the camera mode. When I change geofence, camera mode changes. That I do know, because I've done it before. Mm -hmm. This is a classic move by someone who's trying to weasel their way out of evidence found. They give a long response that doesn't ever answer the question. The detective specifically asked why, at a specific time, did she log into the mobile app for their security camera and try to put it in privacy mode, which would ultimately turn the cameras off. She explained that the geofence needed to be updated and how it beeps at her when she goes out, and nothing that she said had anything to do with the activity the detective had asked about. She ultimately continued to deny that she tried to shut off the cameras. After some more pushing, Nikki's story changed and she said that Earl went into the house alone to fetch her things. While she waited outside, she heard gunshots ring out. 
She went on for quite a while telling the investigators that she had no idea what happened inside the house and they had a hard time believing that she and Earl didn't talk about the incident at all after that. She eventually wrote that version of events down, giving the officers a written statement before trying to snatch the piece of paper from the table and tear it up. But of course, that was after she told a few more lies in order to try to get out of the situation she was in. When Nikki's story changed again, she told the investigators that there was someone else over at the house that night. Suddenly, after three hours of questioning, there was another person involved. She just spent the last three hours not mentioning this person for no apparent reason. She even used the investigators to describe how tall the person was. She told the investigators that she overheard Chad say, quote, Hun, stop. When the investigators clarified what she meant by hun, she confirmed that it was a term of affection, like being short for honey. This is where Nikki claimed that the other person at the house was Chad's boyfriend. After accusing her husband of his own affair, Nikki added that he had extreme gambling debts. The interrogating agent didn't believe the story Nikki was telling him. She kept throwing random pieces of information out, possibly hoping she would stumble across the right thing to say so the investigators would no longer suspect her of the crime. She eventually floated the idea that Chad had killed himself, but the investigators quickly shut her down. The idea that you could shoot someone in the back with a shotgun and the authorities aren't going to do an autopsy and find that is insane. They didn't even need the autopsy. The fire hadn't burned enough to destroy Chad's body, so the first responders could clearly see he had been shot in the back. Who planned that part? Was that you or was that Earl? No. You didn't plan to come and set the house on fire? No. Earl did. How was he going to set that house on fire? Nick, you've already told me. Just come free yourself. What's gonna we'll talk about that afterwards, but I gotta know what the full story is, too. As the interview came to an end, she threw Earl under the bus and then asked what was going to happen to her. After all of this, the only thing Nikki cared about was Nikki. As the investigators continued to try to piece this puzzle together, they were able to confirm that Chad had been out bowling on December 30th. At the same time, Nikki and Earl arrived at Chad's home and loaded a bunch of items into Earl's truck. They then drove back to the hotel and Chad arrived back home. At around 1 a.m., the front door's locking system registered an opening. The door was next accessed almost two hours later when police believe Earl and Nikki were leaving the scene. On January 8th, the day after Nikki was interviewed, an arrest warrant was issued for Earl Howard. He was arrested on January 9th in Port Huron, Michigan, which happens to be right on the Canadian border. It turned out that Nikki and Earl had grand plans for Chad's insurance money. They were going to move to Texas together and live off the payout. Unfortunately for them, things didn't work out like that. When Earl was questioned, he placed the blame on Nikki, saying she was the one who shot Chad. He did admit to helping set the fires after the fact. Despite shooting Chad twice, the pair thought taking one of the shotgun shells would be enough to persuade investigators that Chad's injuries had been self-inflicted. Like investigators or at least the medical examiner wouldn't notice a second gunshot wound in his back. They added the liquor bottles around the room to reinforce the claims that Chad was an alcoholic. 
Nikki left a propane heater right next to the bed, hoping it would catch a light after they left. They returned to the hotel and went to sleep, fully expecting to wake up to the news of a house ravaged by a fire on 43rd Avenue. When they discovered that wasn't the case, Nikki and Earl returned to the home and moved the propane heater closer to the bed. In case that didn't work, they went down to the basement and started a fire on top of the furnace. By January 2nd, the house still hadn't burned down, and the concerns from Chad's friends meant that Nikki was forced to return to the crime scene, where she alerted authorities to the small fire. Both Nikki Ensel and Earl Howard were charged with conspiracy to commit murder, conspiracy to commit arson, and conspiracy to tamper with physical evidence. Since the investigators couldn't prove which of the pair actually shot Chad, neither were charged with the actual murder. Trial dates were set, but in the build-up to his time in court, Earl decided to plead guilty to his charges. He was given a 25-year sentence, of which he has to serve at least 80% of before being considered for parole. He'll be in his mid-60s by the time that happens. Nikki went to trial in 2022. Over 40 witnesses were brought to the stand for the prosecution. The defense, on the other hand, brought none. In October, after two hours of jury deliberation, Nikki was convicted of all charges laid against her. Her sentencing was set for February of 2023, where she was given a life sentence with the possibility of parole. On March 17, 2023, a 2020 episode aired that was titled The Last Strike. In it, Nikki spoke publicly for the first time, but maintained her innocence. She said, quote, do I eventually want to figure out what happened? Yes. I wish I had every resource in the world to figure out what really happened. Yes, I do. Do I have every resource in the world to figure out what happened? No. Nobody does. Those who loved Chad remember him as a kind and wonderful man. They said, quote, His passion was not sitting in class, but rather working outside and being around people. He coached a little league where he truly shined. It is a small consolation to the family that investigators were able to quickly rip apart Nikki's story and get to the truth. Hopefully, they've been able to focus on healing the wounds that his loss left behind, knowing the monsters responsible are behind bars, where they belong. If you're the victim of domestic abuse, please reach out to someone for help. Please talk to your local shelter or call the National Domestic Abuse Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. Or you can go to thehotline.org to chat with someone online. This website is set up so that, at any time, hitting the escape key twice will take you to a Google search page. That way, if your abuser is nearby, you won't get caught seeking help. If you're having feelings of harming yourself or someone else, or even just need someone to talk to, please contact your local mental health facility. Call 911 or call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline by simply dialing 988 in the United States. They're available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and will talk to you about any mental health issue you may be facing. If you are a member of the LGBTQ community and suffering from discrimination, depression, or are in need of any support, please contact the LGBT National Hotline at 1-888-843-4564 or go to lgbthotline.org.
Thanks so much for letting me tell you this story. If you enjoyed it, subscribe on whatever platform you're on, hit like, rate us, or leave us a comment. You can check out our other show, Somewhere Sinister, on YouTube or anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to support the show, check out our merchandise at thisismonsters.com. The link is in the description. Thanks again, and be safe. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.